You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad that you could join us today. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everyone, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I'm your host, Albert Pineda, and this is part two of my Star Wars Day celebration with my good friend, Kevin Weir. Uh, in part one, as it previously mentioned, we had discussed the history of Star Wars from the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy. Now for part two, we're going to be discussing uh, Kevin joining up with the 501st Legion and the Disney acquisition of Star Wars and all the other really cool things that have happened with the Star Wars brand in the past uh, 15 uh, years, f- 15 years since uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. So without further ado, here we go. With this is part two of my uh, Star Wars Day interview with Kevin Weir. Okay, so right around the same time frame, so we're in the the mid two thousands now, and the fandom has just grown exponentially. It's just been massive and huge. And if I'm getting yes. my my date straight, uh, two thousand and three in Denver, Colorado, was the very first Star Wars celebration. I want to say I maybe I might be wait, off, but wait, um, gosh, let me think for a moment. Uh, so. I think it was in Denver, Colorado. I know I did not go to the first one and I didn't go to the second one, but I went to the third one and that was in, um, where was that again? I think yeah. the third one was in LA co- coinciding with Revenge of the Sith in 2005. No, no, no. That would have been, gosh, wait, now I'm thinking about, uh, to, to celebrate, um, let me think about it. that was Indianapolis. I think that was in 2003 and that was to celebrate Revenge of the Sith. Because, oh, okay. Right, right. Because I think LA was Celebration 4 and that oh, okay. was like in 2006. I oh, think. okay. Okay. Right. Well, when, around this, this time frame is when we see just massive gatherings of fans, uh, so much so that Star Wars is actually getting their own version of Comic-Con exclusively for them. Right. And the rise of various groups, such as the 501st, Rebel Legion, and the Mandalorian Mercs. So I wanted to ask you what your history was, how you got first involved with the 501st. If my dates are correct, I would have said it was probably would have been the mid-2000s when the organization first came to, to prominence. Yeah, for well, for me, I, I believe that was um, I think that was '99 actually. That oh, does it go back that far? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, um, basically, in a, in a, in a nutshell, um, so Brooke and I we got married, and this is uh, in 2004, and I always wanted to have a stormtrooper costume, and we found one online. And we spent way too much money for it. And mm-hmm. I put it together. And this is, uh, I think, right around Halloween time now of 2004. And I did a little troop thing at my mom's school because she was a school teacher in a little kindergartens and first graders, second graders, whatever, do a circle and take pictures and that kind of thing, just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. And um, But we wanted to do something for Halloween. And I made a Jawa costume for my son um and for brooke my wife i had like an old don post darth maul mask but the horns had been cut off and so i uh latex that back closed and where it was red i painted it like a um a lavender um you know purple and then i threw on like a black wig and i kind of made her like this like 
female Sith, whatever Maul's species is, you know, just, mm-hmm. I just, just whatever. Like, I mean, yeah. th- this is back in the day when all we had was those like collapsible lightsabers, you know, nothing, nothing awesome or anything like FX lightsabers, you know, that came much later. Uh-huh. And we decided to just go to um, Universal um, um, City Walk. Um, and this, as I said, it was around Halloween time and we're walking the city walk and we were starting to get a, a lot of people coming up to us, taking pictures. And then we kind of got swarmed by people. Cause sorry, I'm, tre- I'm dressed as a stormtrooper. We got a Jawa and we got this kind of Sith Jedi kind of looking thing. And, um, then we had someone from security come up and say that we, we needed to take off our masks. And I was like, what? because we started to pull the, the lines from their photo ops of like Elvira and Frankenstein. Uh-huh. All those people started to rush over to us because, <laughs> you know, here's a stormtrooper, right? Yeah. And so immediately we were causing distraction. Uh-huh. But as we walked kind of away, like I asked, I said, well, can I at least kind of get like over there and to take off my helmet? I want to kind of like get away out of the public's view to take off my helmet. And they're like, yeah, sure. So they kind of were ushering us away and somebody kind of yelled out, are you from the 501st? And my wife was like, the, the what? And he's like, 501st. And I didn't really hear because I'm more focused on where we got to go, where we got to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously, you know, we, we left there. Um, but my wife then later on looked it up and she's like, look, honey, there's other nerds like you that like dressing up i was like <laughs> oh this is cool you know and, and nerds in a, in a good way because that's you know like what we are yeah and yeah. um you know and i just saw these kind of like requests for um you know people working on fan films they wanted stormtroopers and i was like okay so you know i go would be like an all-day shoot and for some whatever you know fan film kind of thing somebody was doing and then um, I, I met a few guys there. This guy named Ray uh, was kind of a guy I met, you know, before. And then I ended up going to Frankenstein's, the uh, collectible, uh, the, the toy and collectible yeah. place. Uh-huh. And I would go all the time, but Ray was out there. And he's like, hey, did you bring your gear? I'm like, my gear? For, for what? He's like, oh, we're, all, we're doing a troop here. I'm like, who's we? He's like, well, the 501st. I was like, what? Like, they're here? He's like, yeah. And so I called my wife, Brooke, I'm like, um, can you bring my, my gear and maybe you might want to, you know, like, you know, come check this out, blah, blah, blah. So she brought it, she hung out and I put on my, my Stormtrooper armor and we met like Daniel Logan and we met um, Peter Mayhew and, and Ray Park and we're just like chatting away. And um, I brought a, an extra Stormtrooper helmet that I had and they autographed it for me. And then at the time, uh, Tim Knapp was um, in charge of the SoCal Garrison. And, and he looked at me, he's like, well, you're not a member or, or yet are you? I was like, no, what does it take to be a member? And, you know, this time, like things were a lot easier back then. He's like, well, you look good to me. He says, all right, I'll, I can approve you on the spot. You just, uh, I'll send you here, write down all your information. I'll, you know, I'll email everything to you, um, but you're going to need to pick like, you know, a designation number, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this is like so much for me to take in. I'm like looking at my wife, like, are you getting all this? And um, and then he's like, oh, you know, we got another event coming up if you're interested. I was like, yeah, this is fun. And um, so basically on the spot there, I was like, okay, so now I'm approved as a TK. I was able to 
pick my number. I'm a three-digit number, 812, which is crazy because now I think there's like six or seven-digit numbers. So that's how long I've been around, basically since November of 04. Uh, all my paper went, paperwork went through, I guess, right in the beginning of the year because if you look back, it says a member since 05, but technically, I guess it was 04. And, um, and then I just started doing events and getting involved with the 501st from then. It was just like this awesome, like, you know, welcoming of other, you know, like Star Wars nerds like us that enjoy the fandom, or who are fans who enjoy Star Wars through and through, and also enjoy like costuming as characters from the sagas, you know, it's like just, mm. it, it's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually a really cool story. Of all the years that we've been friends, I don't think I've ever heard that story before. You going to City Walk in full costume with uh, Brooke and Cristiano. So that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> never told you that. Oh, I don't Sorry, think I have. Man. But uh, uh, so uh, the, the 501st, I mean, I, I've gotten to hang out with you and some of some of the other members. It's really cool yeah. organization doing uh, bad guys doing good. It's the slogan, exactly. which is really cool they do lots of charity work and special events. And uh, I guess it's also led to many wonderful and great experiences for you, uh, which would include marching in the, the Rose Parade uh, when George Lucas was the Grand Marshal. Was that right? Yes, that was in uh, 2007. We had an audition for that. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, yeah. So we had to send in um, video of us marching and in, 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 uh, in armor. And so, yeah, we actually had to learn to march uh, appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, so it was a whole submission thing of a, of a, of a group of us, you know, marching like in a, a small platoon or a blockade or whatever you want to call it. And then we had to do individual like, hi, my name is, you know, blah, 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 and doing some turnaround shots and everything got submitted. And I don't remember how long of a process it was, but yeah, I got selected. It was pretty awesome that what they did was they um, they wanted to bring people from all over. So, I mean, the file first is literally worldwide. So mm -hmm. they wanted some from every country to come in and represent, you know, that's why we had all the flags there. And, um, and then, and then to have, you know, characters from uh, you know, your classic white um, TK stormtroopers to your sand troopers. And at that time I had actually changed my armor and I was a sand trooper. So I was like, um second um row second row back second you know from the from the right um was my platoon uh and did yeah did the whole march in my sand trooper at that time and also yeah with george lucas being the the marshal i don't know if that's ever happened before but he somehow managed to get two floats and i think normally there's only one float so that was kind of a big ordeal as well and then uh you know he had his own band we did a lot of our rehearsal um, at one of the high school fields in um, near Pasadena area. So it was several days of learning to march, learning, learning the proper turns uh, and staying in formation. I mean, it was a lot of work to make sure that we could do it, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, they took really good care of us, but it, it was definitely a lot, a lot of training um, and the day of was just one of those things where it's like, gosh, I think it was somewhere like four o'clock in the morning that we're on the buses lined up to, to pretty much wait for several hours to wait for our turn because, you know, you can't delay the parade. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
yeah, waiting in the cold in armor for a while. But uh, yeah, doing the actual parade was definitely memorable for sure, for sure. Awesome. And, uh, and during that experience, is that when you got to meet George Lucas? I believe you mentioned you had met him once before. Was that right? Uh, yeah, no, not then. Actually, when I met him was when he got the Lifetime Achievement Award in 2005. Oh, okay. So yeah, a few years before. Um, uh, right. So, so it was before. So um, uh, there was a few of us that were going to be on stage in our Stormtrooper costumes. Um, and um, William Shatner was going to come out to um, give a little talk and make a joke or something about star trek instead of star wars and so we actually had to rehearse with with william shatner and and doing this where when he did that we would actually pick him up and lift him and carry him off stage oh. so <laughs> i was part of the group that actually had to lift him up and carry him off stage <laughs> so uh and then after that um you know because we we're just you know hanging out in the our, our break room and and, and in our changing rooms and stuff. And we're like right next door to Maroon 5. So we're hanging out with them and, and then hanging out with Peter Mayhew and Angie. And, and, then, and then sometimes behind the curtains, like we we're just talking with Mark Hamill. And uh, the only person I didn't really get to talk to was um, Carrie Fisher or um, Harrison Ford. I mean, we kind of saw them, but it was one of those, yeah. you know, you, you don't really go and approach them. If they kind yeah. of approach yeah. you, then you do. And mm-hmm. um, so it was, it was really kind of a cool thing. But at the very, very end um, is when I saw um, Jet Lucas and then George Lucas. And he actually signed my helmet and Jet Lucas signed my helmet as well. So that was my first time briefly meeting him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was much later. I'm trying to think when was... Fidum. Um, Fidum was the dressing a, a galaxy. You, I'm trying to figure out what year that was. Must have been just maybe a couple of years after that. I think maybe in 06, maybe. I'm not sure. But that's when I actually met him um, because uh, his daughter Katie came up because um, Christiana was in his Jawa costume. She's mm-hmm. like, my dad, my dad, she's talking. It was like, my dad really likes your costume, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were just told to kind of like be the ambiance, kind of like background, in, you know, characters. They're doing the dressing of the galaxy. They're eating and, you know, reporters are doing their thing. And we were just, just to have a, a plethora of people in, in costume, so to speak. Um, and I was actually there in clone armor by this time. So maybe this is like yeah, around 2006, 2007, I think. And then all of a sudden, I was just kind of like in the zone where I was next to him. Mm-hmm. And I was given this advice early on of like, well, if you get the opportunity to talk to him, maybe don't talk about Star Wars. And I was like, all right, how do you not talk about Star Wars <laughs> to this guy, right? Uh-huh. And, um, you know, but it's like, okay, yeah, you know, that, I mean, that's kind of makes sense, you know, and uh, he's probably tired of talking about it, right? And then all of a sudden we kind of turn and here he is now. I'm standing there and he's talking to Cristiano. He's like, because Cristiano's wearing his jaw. He's like, those aren't your eyes because they're glowing. He's like, I know you. You can't fool me. Those are your eyes. Like <laughs> really just having this awesome moment, you know? And um, and I don't really remember exactly what was said other than I said, you know, you know uh, I was, um, you know, some I forgot how I said it, but something like, 
uh, I was one of the stormtroopers that was on stage for uh, your Lifetime Achievement Award. And, you know, I had to lift, you know, William Shatner off the stage and he's laughing and I'm laughing and we're just, we're just talking, you know? And then there's this moment where the corner of my eye caught photographers just snapping a bunch of pictures. And it's like the conversation faded. It was like, I knew we were talking, but nothing was sticking because I felt like paparazzi were just like flashing a bunch of pictures. And so like the voice just faded away. And I'm like, how am I in this moment where we're just having this conversation? And then there's pictures of us obviously talking and we're both head back laughing, you know? So it's like, is this, is this for real? You know? And then that moment, that moment ended, you know? Um, so yeah, it was kind of like surreal and super cool to just kind of have this like normal conversation of some sort, you know? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really cool. That's amazing. Uh, I, I can't help but thinking as you were telling that story, Kevin, that if someone told me, okay, you get to meet George Lucas, but you can't talk about Star Wars, what would I bring up? And uh, the only thing that really comes to my mind would be uh, ask him about American graffiti or some other work that he's done. <laughs> right, so, right. He, he loves the cars. He loves that era. I mean, I guess that's why it was based off his childhood, right? Right, right, right. No, I know that would be like the other thing. And I, I don't know, I guess I just, I, I don't know, but the Lifetime Achievement Award thing came to my mind. So it was just kind of like, all right, you know, just, yeah. So there yeah. we go. That was kind of my moment. <laughs> so so moving forward in the timeline so now we're in the i guess like the the late 2000s and we get the launch of the the clone wars animated show which oh, yeah. was a huge amazing moment i think for star wars in fact for individuals who may not have liked the prequels i think the clone wars animated show might have changed their minds based on uh, getting to actually see the actual conflicts the battles and just how cool clone troopers are so if you can uh, talk tell us about that like uh the, the animated show, your feelings, impressions, and all the various uh, characters that were introduced. Plus, as it leads to, if you're able to talk about it, your business where you actually now create the molds for, for costumes, for clone troopers. Well, yeah. So, you know, uh, at the start of the Clone Wars, it was, um, it was Cartoon Network that was um, showing it. Mm -hmm. And um, being a member of the 501st, we sometimes get asked to help out with like red carpet premiere and events and things like that. And they wanted clone troopers um, to kind of help promote this. Mm -hmm. So I had just finished making, cause I was totally inspired by revenge of the uh, revenge of the Sith and the, and the, and the movie kind of realistic CGI uh, armor. And I was like, I've got to make that, you know, I've got to make that. And I had just finished it. So I had it. And a couple of my buddies um, built a kit with me. And um, so we were just kind of like the grunt white clones. And we had another buddy who had just finished a um, Commander Cody. And so they used us for a lot of their um, promotional stuff. And then for the actual Clone Wars release, um, they wanted more clones. And um, this was gonna be at the Egyptian theater. This was for the, I think it was like August of 2008. And um, so I helped the SoCal Garrison. Um, we, we worked on, gosh, I think we ended up having like 16 clone kits to be on the red carpet um, for this, the big opening of the Clone Wars. 
And again, you know, George Lucas and his wife and his kids, and they're all going down the red carpet and Dave Filoni and all the voice um, actors and, and so forth for the Clone Wars. I mean, it's this really big, big ordeal, you know? Um, and so that was kind of like, I guess, my first steps into providing um, something to really help create a very uh, impactful, memorable, um, you know, uh, premiere with having people, you know, in costume that's, you know, unfortunately what we were wearing was the uh, Revenge of the Sith, you know, stylized clones. It wasn't the animated clones as of yet, you know, that was something I ended up making later, but uh, I think they were still happy to have you know, obviously recognizably clones on the red carpet for the, for the premiere. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And then, so with the, the animated show itself, what were some of your favorite moments from the, the cartoon show or, or uh, episodes? Um, well, I, I remember going to the theater and it was, I think they, they showed us the uh, first arc, which was like maybe two or three episodes, which was really the introduction of, of Ahsoka. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, now she's such this huge character. But in the beginning, I think it was kind of surprising, you know, from watching Revenge of the, of the Sith and never seeing Anakin take on a Padawan to now in this story, Anakin's taking on a Padawan. Like, that's kind of unique. That's, you know, interesting. And that's a whole new story arc that I don't think any of us were expecting to ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Clone Wars grew on me. You know, I think being involved with it from the very beginning it was this awesome thing that our family got to watch. If I remember, it was like Wednesday nights. Originally, it was, you know, airing. And uh, yeah, we never missed it. So my kids, uh, so I've, you know, got four boys. Um, they've, they've, they've pretty much grew up with Clone Wars. And my youngest boy, who's five now, he still watches Clone Wars. Like he, and I don't push this on them. I literally don't. He'll, he'll ask, mom, can I watch, you know, TV? Can I watch Clone Wars? And a lot of times I'll come in from work and Clone Wars is on the TV. Like, it's just something that has great um, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the imagery is really cool. Um, we've never seen battles like that in, in the movies. To see, you know, the, the, the clones um, have kind of like this personality where they're not, they weren't robots, you know, just... The growth of of the growth and 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 the the more human that clones were, you know, does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're just, yeah. There's something about Clone Wars. It just it it fulfilled so many like check marks for me. Like it just, I I don't recall not liking anything there was um when it started to get to kind of like darth maul coming back um there was some episodes that um my wife and i we would pre-watch before having the kids watch oh yeah (laughs) with the death type stuff you know so there's some episodes my kids did not watch (laughs) until they got older uh but yeah other than that i mean it was really sad you know to see Clone Wars come to an end. 
You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing stories that uh, Dave Filoni and his team were able to put together. Uh, going back to the point you had made, Kevin, about, uh, I guess, humanizing the clones. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite episodes, it's a very simple episode. It's early on in the, the run of the show where it's the Yoda-centric episode where he's sitting down with clones and he asks them to you know, take off your helmets. I want to see you all. And explaining to them that, yes, you're clones, but all three of you are individual people. I think it was a really imp- impactful message. And then going on the same subject of uh, uh, clones having their own identities, you can look at the entire story arc of the, the Domino Squad, which I think is one of the oh, best yeah. of, of the entire uh, run of the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the rookie uh, episode, absolutely. Yeah. You know, getting to, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, right? So, we, and, and I mean, how many fans, you know, get to have years of, of kind of like following a character from the beginning moments all the way through. I mean, we still have Echo now, right? I mean, yeah. and, and it's like, and now we've got the Bad Batch has has blossomed from that. And we've got yeah. more of the, I mean, there's, I mean, we guess we've got basically seven episodes of the Clone Wars, but I mean, the Bad Batch in my mind is sort of like this continuation, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it has the same kind of feel, the same style. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really really excited for for that as well. Awesome, and then uh, going stick a little bit more with the animated shows, uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars Rebels, I thought was cool, not not quite as good as the Clone Wars, but I think it was still enjoyable and fun. Did you have any f- fond memories of watching uh, Rebels with your kids? Or well, yeah, actually, so what's funny is we're actually rewatching it right now. Oh, awesome! Um, so you know, I, again, so you know. With uh, watching that with, you know, Trent and Connor, they're now older, they're in their teens now, you know, or almost 11 and, and or 12 and almost 12 and almost 13. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, but now I'm rewatching it with Dylan, who's five. So um, the first time watching it, it was a little bit difficult only because of coming off from the Clone Wars that it was stylized so differently, but they really focused a lot on the McQuarrie type um um, visualization of the show, which I absolutely appreciate. So, um, you know, while the stylized characters were a little different, um, but the story, um, you know, I don't think enough people took um, the the story uh, the storytelling that they have. How would I say that? Like, it, it's it, there's so much information that they are providing in Rebels even if you don't really like the style because you were so used to the Clone Wars style, um, if you can just get past that and really listen and, and, and focus on the overall story. And that's, like I said, what I'm doing now, watching it again. And I think some of it is the fact that I'm watching it in preparation of Kenobi because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I made a post not too long ago on, on my Instagram that, um, that I'm rewatching it and I didn't realize how, how much this pretty much could start where Kenobi ends mm-hmm. uh, with the Grand Inquisitor um, and, you know, the fact that you know, we know that in Kenobi, we're looking at the time frame of Luke being about 10 years old, but in Rebels, we're in the time period of Ezra being 15 years old. And Ezra, Luke, and Leia are very close in age, you know? Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of like, okay, well, this is potentially five years after 
some time period in Kenobi and just to see what's happened after Kenobi in, in, the, in the world of, of Star Wars. That's what Rebels is telling you, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, and Rebels, if you watch it all the way through, I mean, they tell you what happens from that moment on all the way till Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. right? And so then after Return of the Jedi, we now have Mandalorian. And then in between that, we've got the Book of Boba Fett. And then we don't really know exactly when the time period is going to be for Ahsoka, but it, we're starting to really close the gap on a lot of the Star Wars story from, you know, episode one, The Phantom Menace, all the way till now, you know, Mandalorian time period of being, what, three years after Revenge of the, oh, excuse me, after um, Return of the Jedi, right? Isn't it yeah. three years? Yeah, five years. Three or five years, something like that, yeah. Something like that, right? So anyways, Rebel kind of, I think, is important to watch because it's going to give you that that middle bit of information. Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. So now we move on to the, the major milestone for the history of Star Wars, which would be the year 2012 and the acquisition by the Walt Disney Company, which I know there's been uh, mixed feelings, but overall, I think there's been some really good products that have come as a result of this acquisition. Uh, so we see first uh, the announcement of the sequel trilogy and then the announcement of the Galaxy's Edge and then the, the announcement of Disney Plus and all the shows that we're enjoying now. There's been so much content that's been announced and created in the past 10 years since the initial acquisition. So I guess what I would like to ask, I guess, first, just what was your initial thoughts when you heard the news that the Walt Disney Company had uh, acquired uh, Lucasfilm? I think my first thought was, shock and then it was more like well i guess we'll see what happens you know uh, it's kind of like you know i don't know any of the of the details of the why um you know my only guess is my only this is just me kind of speculating that maybe george felt this is pretty much as far as i can take this um you know disney disney has far more you know, accessibilities to, to really launch this and make more of it or something. I don't really know why. So I guess, like I said, it was just kind of more like, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I guess, you know, obviously, you know, with uh, Star Wars has a presence at Disneyland with Star Tours. So yeah. it's just kind of, to me, I guess it was more like maybe a, a marriage of the two, like, okay, let's combine our strengths. You know, you've got, you know, pretty much endless money. Let's, let's, you know, let's see where this can go. And, and I think George always thought about, you know, streaming, you know, like back to Revenge of the Sith at the, he was there at a panel talking about live action TV shows and being able to stream. I mean, he's talking about this in like 2000, what did we say it was? 2003, right? 2003, four or five, somewhere in that time. Yeah, something like that, right? So, I mean, he's already kind of painting the picture for us of, what to expect you know mm -hmm. and um and it just it you know just took a little while to get there and i think clone wars definitely you know kind of kept him really busy you know working with um with dave you know dave working with him and and just doing clone wars where i, I almost think the original idea was 
he would kind of be there for a few seasons and then, you know, and let it run its course. But I think he was having such a good time. He was so involved with it. And then, but, you know, to, to do, you know, live action and, and stuff, maybe this is just my speculation. Maybe it was like, let me, let me kind of pass the torch on a little bit. Let's, let's broaden our, our strengths and our abilities to really make more of it. And that's essentially, I guess what, what Disney has done for us, you know, they've, definitely have given us more like I said we got an entire area of the theme park just focused on star wars with batu you know yeah. star wars galaxy i just so you know I, i'm glad that they kept the star tours right there so we got the the ride and mm-hmm. yes it's been updated where you've got different scenarios of different planets and so forth that you visit um on that ride but now having a whole kind of like section of the land just devoted to star Wars, you know, that's, that's just, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing in itself, I think. Um, and then, yeah, having, you know, more stories, more movies, the live action shows, it's just, you know, they've just got a plethora of, of more things to come. So while you might not like everything that comes out, but you know, we should look at the fact that at least we have some sort of Star Wars content and it may not be for everybody, um, but I'm, I'm grateful there's something because I don't think people lived in the in the timeframes that, that we did. Um, well, not, that's, I'm saying that wrong. In the timeframe of us growing up, remember where all we had was just the action figures or the storybooks and our imagination, right? Yeah. And now we're in this time period where there, there's so much Star Wars that you don't really have to watch it all. You don't have to read it all. You know, you can almost pick and choose what what you feel most connected to. We mm-hmm. didn't have that choice back then. It was like three movies and that was it. And a couple books and that was it, you know? So yeah, I'd say with Disney taking over, it's, you know, um, it's definitely brought us a lot more with a lot more to, in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's as I mentioned, yeah. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there's been some hits and misses and some mishaps. Yes. But I absolutely agree with you, Kevin, that there's been so much good content that has come out uh, getting to visit the, the galaxy's edge. I, I love just even just looking at everything that's there. It's just kind of like when I, I go to Disneyland with my family, I'll just be looking, just taking pictures of just random things like getting to see an X-wing right there. Uh, the Manilian Falcon, which is just amazing that you can have like a life-size replica right in front of you and even something simple like drinking blue milk uh which is just like <laughs> a, uh just ice blue drink but it's just like hey it's blue milk i'm drinking blue milk right right i haven't had a chance to go on the rise of the resistance right either uh it covid hit right when the ride uh, was announced so it was just or when it was released so it's just kind of bad timing but and then uh soon some someday allison and i when we don't take the kids i think we'll try and make a, our way to the ride the rights of resistance which i heard is really excellent so yeah i haven't been on it yet either and you know i i, I it's weird i'm trying to stay spoiler free i mean obviously i know there's the adats and i know there's something about kylo ren and something and obviously i know there's a bunch of tfa you know troopers and something but i'm like i don't want to be and i, I and i believe it's like a moving ride that you're on and and but and everything's going on all around you but um yeah i'm trying to like i want to experience it without like everybody 
And so like, you know, obviously people were kind of posting videos on their Facebook feed or Instagram feed. And I'm just like, swipe, swipe. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And I mean, it's like people who are probably listening to this podcast right now are going, have you not been there yet? Right. I mean, <laughs> but just, just not yet. I mean, <laughs> but I will. Uh-huh. Uh, but going back to your point of like, I guess, uh, picking and choosing which aspects of uh, the Disney acquired Star Wars you like or want to engage with, indulge with. I think the majority of fans would agree that the Disney Plus shows have been excellent, have been really, really good. Uh, I've loved The Mandalorian, the two seasons we've gotten and The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, there's a few questions related to the Disney Plus shows that I wanted to ask you that I had the opportunity to ask my brother Fernando and Nick when I talked to them. Uh First, uh, and any, any thoughts that you wanted to share is obviously more than welcome as well. But uh, first, do you like the idea of Boba Fett essentially coming back from the dead? Again, that was a pretty big surprise, pretty shocking to me. I didn't think that would ever happen. But sure enough, it did. And then the other question that I want, oh, maybe we'll touch on Boba Fett first, then I'll ask you my second question. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't consider myself a, a big Boba Fett fan. I mean, I don't dislike him or anything, but... Um, so I've never been one to like investigate what might've happened to him. I've always just kind of stayed with just kind of like the OT type story. So yeah, with him falling in the Sarlacc pit, that was it. But I think because he was such a, uh, a prominent and, and uh, character bringing him back doesn't sound too far-fetched for me because they brought Maul back like what two or three times <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> so um you know when you got a character that that a lot of people connect with or relate to or just are absolutely head over heels with um sure why not find a way that works to bring him back so um I guess I'm not surprised by that uh, I was hoping that we would see somehow how he would escape from the Sarlacc pit. So I'm glad they kind of started the show off that way. I never really envisioned on how it would be. So I was never really expecting it to be one way or another. I was just hoping that they would have told that. Um, in the Book of Boba, I, I know I was able to follow it okay, but I've had some friends and some older friends who would say, okay, I'm a bit confused on the timeline. I was like, okay, they're doing a lot of flash and flashbacks and forwards. And personally, I think they went back and forth a little too much for the older generation to understand it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it got confusing because I found myself explaining time periods to a lot of people. So to you know who have watched it but they're like but wait a minute is it is, is this and a lot of people were like is this before mando is this after mando like what happened here and, and is this happening here and so it was kind of a lot to explain it was almost like almost like this right so well we're going to pause on book of boba for just a moment and talk about time period of um the um sequel trilogy when han solo dies by his son ben kylo ren right so he dies the very next movie that disney releases is solo a star wars story mm -hmm. where he's younger okay i remember 
after we watched it, I went to go eat and somebody said, oh, did you just come from the theater? I was like, yeah, like, oh, what'd you see? I said, Solo. They said, Solo? Didn't he die? I said, well, yeah, but they're telling a story now when he was younger. When he was younger? So this isn't the Han Solo that just died? By the way, I don't know. Well, it is, but not. So sometimes going back and forth and not having things shown in chronological order don't really work well for people who are maybe not hardcore fans that immediately comprehend that, you know? So the book of Boba going back and forth, I think was a little bit more challenging for people to follow who don't fully understand, okay, oh, wait, that little scene right there with all the stormtrooper helmets on the, on the, um, on the spikes. Okay. That, that we need to remember was tells us in this time period, because we saw that in Mando and then we're seeing this. So there's a little bit of that crossover time period between shows and, you know, it's sort of like what Marvel's doing, you know, like that little Mm -hmm. bit of mix of time frame and character introduction. And then we get a little more uh, character expansion and like in their own show. And then we get them tied in with it. You know, I like that. It's just hard for some people to follow, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, So I'm glad we got a book of Boba Fett show to kind of like say, okay, well, this is Boba. This is how he escaped. This is how he, you know, got through all that. And this is where he is now. Um, I think that show just had a little bit of a different feeling Mm -hmm. uh, overall as a story arc. Um, because they brought in Mando and gave him such a uh, prominent role, which pretty much became a story in itself. I mean, he had like a whole episode that was just talking or that was just following his story. So jokingly, people are calling that Mandalorian 2.5. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because it's it's kind of like, you know, we got a story arc all with with him. So it was kind of weird that we'd have that within the book of boba it's just i i don't know i was a little bit thrown off by that because people who are watching the show i think got confused so yeah you know i mean you definitely got to watch it because there's information that ties the time frame and and the story all all together um but i just felt like book of boba had a different pace had a different emotional feeling like when you watch the Mandalorian, even though they're different episodes telling different stories and they're um, directed by different people, there's just something about, it feels cinematic, you know? Mm-hmm. And Book of Boba, in my opinion, fell flat in a few areas. And like, I love watching movies and I love watching shows. And if I get pulled out like I realize I'm now sitting in my living room, then that makes me question, was it the pace? Was it the story? What was it that pulled me out from the show? Have you had that happen to you? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So that happened to me while watching Book of Boba a few times. And I was like, wait a minute. Whoa, wait. Okay. Why did I get, why am I no longer totally engrossed and engaged and all my peripheral vision is on the show? But then there's times it wasn't. I was like, Oh, I'm in my living room again. Okay. I don't really know what those moments were that pulled me out other than 
there's got to be something with the pacing of the story or something told my brain there was some sort of disbelief you know mm-hmm. i know it sounds a little crazy to even say that but that's kind of how that's kind of my gauge meter if i'm absolutely engrossed and i don't even like you know realize where i am i'm just totally fixated on the show then i feel like it's working Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other question that I had in relation to the, the Disney Plus shows that I had I brought up to Nick and my brother uh, a few weeks ago when I talked to them on that podcast. Uh, we see that Lucasfilm has been like at the forefront of like advancing digital technology, which is great. Going back to how we were discussed earlier with uh, the prequel trilogy and the advancements with CGI characters. And now we see that they're able to actually recreate a really faithful looking Mark Hamill younger as Luke Skywalker and insert him into uh, both the Mandalorian season two and to the book of Boba Fett. But on the, on the, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And then on the (laughs) other side of that, we also get to see that in solo, they actually casted a a younger actor, uh, Alden Enrich. Hope I'm not saying mispronouncing his name. Uh, So we've had both examples where we would recast with a younger actor, or we can use the digital technology to actually recreate characters. Uh, In fact, actually with uh, uh, rogue one, uh, Allison didn't really know who Peter Cushing was. And when she saw him, he, she thought it was legit. Like it was really good. Like I, I even asked her, Hey, how does that look to you on screen? Does that look okay? And she said, yeah, wait, why? Yeah, it looks fine. Just like an older old man. <laughs> she had no idea that it was a digital recreation of the character. Right. So the question that I wanted to present to you, Kevin, is do you like the idea of digitally recreating characters like Luke Skywalker, or would you prefer to see younger actors cast uh, to play uh, iconic roles like they did for solo huh uh i think i'm gonna go with the first one where i think if you're working with a character that has such a prominent role and it's important to have that character there then the likeness of the character is important to me and that's something that i've always um felt either worked or didn't work for movies when i'll give you an example um when they do a lot of flashback scenes and have like a younger kid and then they have a teenage kid and then they have an adult and it's supposed to be the same person growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times they have movies that do that. I always look at how well those actors were cast. Do they have the facial features that represent that person where you can go oh that's totally them as a little kid like there's Mm -hmm. no questioning but you know sometimes you'll look at one person as an adult and they look at the other one as a kid you're like wait a minute the shape of their nose their jawline their eyebrow their eyes are even a different color you're just like well it was close you know then they have to like throw in this extra little thing like they still have the same hat from when they were a kid to kind of help sell it, then it doesn't work for me, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think, you know, as you mentioned, like with Solo, like, oh, because he had the dice, that's supposed to like sell it for me that he's, you know, the young Han Solo. It didn't really work. It, it just, I don't know why. It, it, I like the story. I really, really like Solo, but I don't really feel like I'm watching a younger Harrison Ford playing Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, yeah. So I was a little disengaged because of that, but because I liked Solo so much, I didn't let that bother me and ruin the story, mm-hmm. you know? 
And so with this deep fake Luke, um, I'm trying not to think too deeply about, okay, this, this is what they're doing now to help sell it. I think of it as, okay, we're at this point where there's an important story to be told, an important lesson or important, there's, there's a reason why this character needs to be brought back. So let's just do it to the best that we can to really help sell it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really think they did, yeah, I would say a better job in what we're jokingly calling Mando 2.5 in the Book of Boba series. I, I think that that Luke was definitely more convincing than um, at the very end of Mandalorian season two in the hangar, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, but I was fine with it either way. I mean, I know they went through a lot of work, you know, finding old footage um, of Mark Hamill and, you know, using his voice, but, but tweaking it a little and having actual Mark Hamill there on set. And I don't remember the first actor's name, um, but I know a lot of work went into it and I was uh, absolutely surprised and amazed to see them do that, you know, to bring Luke back and to see him, I, I want to say like almost in, in his prime. I mean, his fighting skills of, of those droids was just phenomenal, you know? Um, and then seeing him where he's training um, baby Yoda, right? Or, uh, <laughs> to see where he's training him. And I guess he's sort of his first Padawan. It's, it, I think there's a lot of important stories. So I wasn't too bothered by bringing, bringing, uh, bringing in another actor and doing the facial reconstruction to make him look like what a younger Mark Hamill would look like. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that any was other a long story. <laughs> that was a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, any other talking points about the Disney Plus shows or anything related to uh, Disney Star Wars? So this like last part of the, the history for the timeline? Meaning of which timeline are we talking about? Oh, right I now? mean, this, uh, this era. So from like 2012 to today, like anything related to uh, Disney, the Disney acquisition, anything else you wanted to bring up or discuss? Um, other than my, other than any of the uh, non-trilogy stories, I would still say Rogue One was probably my favorite. Oh, I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about Solo, but I mean, I really do like Solo. I think Rogue One, there's something about it, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if there was ever a movie that put the war into Star Wars, it was uh, Rogue One. That, that whole Scarif beach battle scene was absolutely phenomenal, and I loved it. And yeah, I thought the cast was really good, even though we got to know them for just a short amount of time. I think they right. were relatable characters, especially Felicity uh, Jones' character, Jyn Erso. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it was an excellent, excellent, um, a great addition to the, the mythos of Star Wars. Well, yeah, I mean, now we're going to be getting Andor from oh, that, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to for sure. Yeah, the, the future is definitely bright when it comes to, to Star Wars. Uh, any other talking points for tonight? I mean, we went kind of late, but this was a great conversation. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, no, man. I mean, if you, uh, do you have any other questions for me? No, Anything that, else? that was all that, that I had for tonight. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty more I, I would love to just talk about. In fact, I remember just, uh, 
one time when you invited uh, Nick and I over to watch the, the original trilogy when Brooke and the kids were out of town. I think we have to pause it every like five minutes because there's something else, some other detail on the screen you wanted to share with us. Which was really <laughs> fun. So it took us like maybe like four hours to watch a, a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> that's when you, yeah, that's when you really like nitpick every little nuanced thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, so we definitely could do that. But as far as uh, <laughs> the questions for the timeline history of Star Wars, I think we covered everything that I wanted to discuss. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as you know, there's still so much more going on. I mean, um, you know, we got celebration just right around the corner. So I'm definitely going to be going to celebration. Awesome. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, as I, as I mentioned, they're talking about airing the first two episodes of Kenobi at celebration. So it's going to be a great way to start that. Well, I think they're planning on Friday to do that. So I think, I think there's you know, a, a lot to look forward to. And obviously they'll be making a lot more announcements and more details about more of the upcoming shows. So um, yeah, I think, you know, Disney has uh, a lot planned for Star Wars. So I think there's definitely a, you know, it, it's a good time for Star Wars fans because, you know, I don't think Star Wars is going to go away anytime soon. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looking forward to what the future holds. Um, well, if that's it, I think we can go ahead and wrap up for tonight, but uh, thank you so much, Kevin, for joining me and uh, talking all things Star Wars. I definitely would love to do this again sometime and maybe even get Nick to join in too, because I know oh. he'd probably like to pick your brain and ask you some questions. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, just, I just mentioned it, you know, uh, earlier that I made a post on Instagram about things. If, if, you, if your podcast listeners are on Instagram, um, I'm there as Imperial Surplus. So if they want to go to Instagram and check out Imperial Surplus, the kind of stuff I work on and uh, different costume stuff and follow any other like Star Wars content that I post. So just throw that out there as a option. Oh, awesome. Thanks for the plug in. Definitely. Uh, uh, definitely. If you aren't following Kevin, you definitely should be because it's really cool stuff. Really great stuff he has to share. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, to the Casting for Fun podcast. And huge thank you for Kevin for joining me tonight. Uh, this was so much fun, and I'd love to do it again sometime. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again, Albert, for having me on. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good night.